Lee, did you, did you hear people clap twice this morning? Where are we? Who are these people? It's like they're excited about the faithfulness of God or something. I feel like I should preach a little bit. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 20. We're in Luke chapter 20 as we actually finish our sermon series today. This will be our last sermon in the series that we have entitled Parables, How Jesus Told Stories to Shape Our Minds. And we have seen in this sermon series that parables are just stories that Jesus told. These short stories that answer the big questions of life. And today we hear Jesus deal with this question, who can best call the shots in your life? Are you really the only one that can decide what is best for you? That is a very contemporary and relevant question because our culture tells us over and over again that only you can decide what is best for you. But it's a question that's at least 2,000 years old because Jesus deals with that question by telling this story. So if you would give your attention to the reading of God's word, I'm in Luke chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 9 through 18 and then I will pray for us and then we'll dig in and analyze this story that Jesus told. Hear now God's word beginning in Luke 20 and verse 9. And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he was sent another servant. But they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one they wounded and cast out. Then the owners of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let's kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, We are gathered here now in response to your call to worship. We have your book open. We have read these words from the Lord Jesus. We ask now that you would give us understanding, that you would open our minds, that you would shape our minds through this parable that Jesus told. We pray that you would answer the question of who is best to run our life and that you would help us to hear your voice more loudly than any other. And Father, I ask that you'd be willing to do all of this, even through the sin-stained lips of a foolish preacher. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
As we come to this parable, I want to give you a little context, and then we'll dig in and begin to mine this to allow this story that Jesus told to shape our minds. A little context, if you look up at the beginning of Luke chapter 20, you'll see there that one day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us... By what authority do you do these things? Or who it is that gave you this authority? Do you hear the question they're asking? Jesus is teaching from the scripture. He's preaching the gospel. Notice the two things we said we're about. It's what Jesus was about. Lost people coming to the to him, preaching the gospel, and also teaching them how they can be more Christ-like. That he's teaching, and these leaders come up and just interrupt him and say, by what authority do you do these things? Our culture usually would phrase the question like this, who do you think you are to tell us what to do? What gives you the right to speak into our lives? What would allow you to tell us what is best for us when you don't know me? You don't know my journey. You don't know what I've been through. That's the way our culture typically would ask this question. And Jesus is being asked that question. And Jesus answers with this story, with this parable that he tells to the people that he was teaching in the presence of these chief priests and scribes with the elders. And as I look at it, I see at least three lessons for us to learn from this. The first lesson is this. We are all tenants acting like owners. We are all tenants acting like owners. And when you look at the parable... The story that Jesus told, Jesus says that there is an owner who owns land. And in verse 9, this owner planted a vineyard, and he rented it to the tenants. And they're supposed to tend to this vineyard while he is away. They're supposed to keep it for him. Now, think about that. Think about what Jesus is saying. This story is meant to make us think. It's meant to shape our minds. So let's do that. Let's do some thinking. The owner bought the land. The owner planted the vineyard. The owner owns the vineyard. And so what does that mean? That means that the tenants cannot tend the vineyard any way they want to do so. And everybody listening to this story would say, yes, that is true, and they would nod their head. They can't do anything they want with this vineyard because it's not theirs. It is owned by this owner who bought the land and planted the vineyard and has rented it to them. So the tenants cannot tend the vineyard any way they want to, but they have to tend it according to the wishes of the owner. And they have to tend it for the profit of the owner, right? That he gains from it. Well, how do they know? What are his policies? How do they know his wishes? Well, they know his wishes by what he has said to them, by what his word is to them, by what his instructions are to them, and how he has acted in the past, And they're to manage it for his profit because the owner compensates them. They get a place to live. They get a place to work. They get a part of what is produced. But the owner gets the profit. That's what the parable, that's where Jesus is going in the parable. Now we've learned before we apply things to our lives, we've learned to understand 
the original audience and how the application is being, what is being said to them, and then what do we have in common with that audience? So let's do that together. What's the application here? What is Jesus addressing? What is Jesus saying to this original audience? Well, if you read Psalm 80 or Isaiah 5 or Jeremiah 2 or a variety of places in the Old Testament, you will see that Israel is often referred to as God's vineyard. And God had given Israel his word, the scriptures, which contain his wishes, his desires for his people, his will for his people. And God gave the people of Israel leaders. We looked at them there in verse 1, and they're still standing there in verse 9. And so they are the tenants who are governing, who are supposed to govern by God's word and for God's profit, for his glory. And so in this parable, Jesus is exposing that they were not governing according to God's wishes. They were governing according to their wisdom and their tradition, not for God's glory, but for their own good, for their own power, for their own profit. They were doing what would make Rome happy so that they could stay in power and keep control and power over what was going on. And Jesus is exposing that here. Now, what about us? What does this mean for us? We're not tenants in a vineyard, but we are all tenants acting like owners. You see, God has given you life. He's given you an emotional life, a social life. He's given you physical life. God has given us gifts and talents. He's given us creativity if you live here in this country, you have been given a certain amount of money and power. And we like to look and say, well, we don't have as much as somebody else. But compared to the rest of the world, if you live in this country, you have a certain amount of money and power and privilege. And what Jesus is saying to all who are listening, we'll see him make the application to everyone down in verse 18. What Jesus is saying is, you must not live life like you own all of that. You must recognize that these are all gifts from God and that you are a tenant. You are a steward. We get this body for a period of time. We get this mind for a period of time. We have these gifts and abilities that God has given us. And the whole point of this parable is that the tenants begin to act like owners. They begin to use what God has given them any way they want, not according to the wishes of the owner, not for the owner's profit, but for their own. They don't listen to messengers. The owner sends, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And if we're honest with ourselves, we do the same thing. We take the gifts that God has given us, and we act like they are ours, like we own them. Like we can do whatever we want to do with them and we use them any way we want. Our biological, our physical life, our emotional life, our social life, our relationships. We use our money, our power, our possessions, our privilege, anything that we have, we act like it is ours and we can use it any way that we want. Do you see in your life your tendency to act like an owner of all that God has given you instead of like a tenant. Because Jesus is saying here, you have a mind, and you have relationships, 
and you have sexual desires and power and money and means, but that you cannot use those any way that you want to. But we're to use them in the way God wishes, according to his word. Now listen, the world will tell you that only you can decide what is best for you. That is the message in the culture today. And I want you to understand that that's just the world telling you that you are the owner of all of this stuff. And I want you to hear very clearly, you may disagree with them, but at least let's agree on what Jesus is saying. He is saying you are not the owner, that you are a tenant. And because of that, you have to use all that God has given you according to God's wishes and for the furtherance of his kingdom and for his glory. And when we say, I will decide how to use my mind and my body and my money, that is acting like an owner. Do you see that? Do you see it in your own heart, in your own life? Even those of us who have professed faith and bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, let me ask you, do you ever make decisions about what you're going to do with your mind or your relationships or your sexual desires or your money or power without praying and asking God what he thinks? Without consulting his word about what God's wishes are about those things? When we do that, we're acting like we own all that God has given us instead of recognizing that we are only tenants. We all live with this delusion of independence. We erroneously believe that we are self-sufficient. When Jesus says we are not independent, that we are not self-sufficient, that we are not owners, we are only tenants. I think of the words of Christ in John 15 and verse 5 where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, you can bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, we believe we're independent and self-sufficient, that we can do things on our own. But Jesus says that's not true. That connected to him, that living life in him, doing things according to his wishes, doing things for his glory, that we can produce fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. We are all tenants acting like owners. And if that weren't bad enough, secondly, we all beat up the messengers. We all beat up the men. Now, you might be thinking, I hadn't beaten anybody up. What is that talking? What were we talking here? Well, let's look at the parable. In verse 10 and 11 and 12, the owner sent messengers to get fruit from the vineyard that he owns, right? He has a right to this fruit. And so he sends messengers to get fruit from the vineyard. And the tenants beat up the messengers. And in verse 11, it says they're treated shamefully. Now let's understand what Jesus is saying to that original audience before we begin to make application to our lives. So what's he saying in this original context? Jesus is reminding the people and the chief priests and the scribes and the elders that are all standing there, people who are familiar with the Old Testament, Jesus is reminding them that God has sent prophets to tell these leaders that they're not tending the flock according to his word and for his glory. 
but that they're tending the flock according to their wisdom and tradition, and they're tending the flock in a way to preserve their own power and position. You can read in the Old Testament, there are a lot of places that prophets say this. Jeremiah in particular, the weeping prophet, you see how they're beat up, how they're treated shamefully, and Jesus is reminding these folks of those messengers. Now what about us? Well, God repeatedly sends messengers into our lives to tell us that we are only tenants and not owners. You may say, well, how does God do that? I haven't had any messengers sent to me. Well, let's think about that together. Sometimes these messengers that God sends to remind us that we are only tenants and not owners, sometimes it's people in our lives. It may be a parent who at times tries to get us to see the truth. But because our parents are imperfect, we often latch on to that part of them that is imperfect and constantly remind ourselves of their imperfection. And we allow that to convince us that we don't have to listen to what they say even when what they are saying is true. And that's a way that we beat up the messenger and treat them shamefully. It may be a certain ministry. It may be a certain church has been a messenger. And of course, ministries and churches are imperfect. And oftentimes, we focus on their imperfection and latch on to that so that we get so focused on their imperfection that we fool ourselves into thinking that we don't have to listen to what they say that is true. And that's how we beat up the messenger, marginalize the message that God is sending to us. You know he only uses imperfect people in ministries, right? Because there are no perfect ones. There's the only kind he uses. It may be individual friends. It may be coworkers. But it's not just people that God uses. Sometimes God uses what we might call providential messengers. Maybe a tragedy in your life or a near tragedy. Maybe it's some disappointment. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's some unfulfilled longing that you have that God sends as a messenger to remind you that you are not in control of your life. Since the fall, we all long to be owners and not tenants. We long to be in control. We long to call the shots. And I hate to be the one to break it to you, but let me just be honest with you. Let me just, it says Jesus looked at him directly and told him, let me just directly tell you, the reality is you will never be in control of your life. Not fully. No matter how hard you try to control everything around you, you cannot control everything. And if that is true, then that just shows you are not the owner, that someone else is the owner. And life is constantly reminding us that we are not in control, that we are not the owner, that we are tenants. Here's my question to you. Many of you have felt that. You've experienced that. So let me ask you this question. Will you listen to the messengers? Will you respond to the message? 
Now stick with me because this is hard to hear. This is hard for us to accept. So stick with me. Dig in with me here, okay? God in his mercy keeps sending you messengers and he never sends just one, right? In his grace and his mercy, he sends messenger after messenger. And we think that these hardships are an indication that God does not love us, that he does not care for us, but in reality, these messengers are a part of God's care and his mercy and his love because he will not allow his children to live like we're owners when we're not. That is hard for us to hear. But it's true. It's what we've been singing this morning, the songs that we've sung. It's what the scripture teaches So let me just ask you, what messengers has God sent to you? Maybe it's difficult people in your life. Maybe it's difficult circumstances. Listen, God in his grace and in his mercy keeps shattering our delusion that we are in control and that we have independence and that we're self-sufficient. Even I, today, this day, serve as a messenger to you. The question is, will you listen? Will you yield to God? How long will you say, I have decided that I needed this because I wanted it, and I will be angry and pout until I get it? Don't you see that's an owner mentality? Like we own it and we're entitled to it. A tenant says, if God has not given this to me now, it must mean that I don't need it now. This is hard. We're talking about having faith in God, having faith that he knows better what is best for us than we know what is best for us. We're talking about maturity in our faith. But we all, from time to time, get angry and beat up the messengers We think we know how things should go better than God knows. But when they're not going that way, we're mad about it. And we try to be owners when we're not. So where do we go from there? How do we react to that? Point number three, we all react to the beloved son. We all react to the beloved son. In the parable, the owner sends his beloved son And the tenants who act like the owners kill the son. And then the owner comes and destroys those tenants and gives the vineyard to others. Now, what's the immediate application? What is is Jesus saying to the original audience when he first tells the parable? He's telling the people and the leaders that all those who live however they want to live, disregarding the wishes of God, the owner, living for their own profit, for their own good, for their own glory, instead of the glory of God, Jesus is saying those folks will be destroyed and others will be given the kingdom of God. Jesus has said this before, that prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners are entering the kingdom of God while religious people were not. And they hear what Jesus is saying here. And you can tell they hear, because look at verse 16. He tells the story and he ends, right? And says those people are going to be thrown out and they're not going to get the kingdom. And in verse 16, I love it, it says, when they heard, they said, surely not. Lord, no, that can't be the way that it works. That can't be what you are saying. Then verse 17, but he looked directly at them. 
and said, what then is this that is written? And then he quotes Psalm 18. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Notice, everyone, that's the application to all of us, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus is telling them, how you react to the beloved son determines what happens to you. And when he quotes Psalm 118, verse 22, he's saying that the son is the stone, the one that has been rejected by others, but he's become the cornerstone, the vital foundation. And Jesus is saying you can build your life on him, that he's firm, that he's solid. But if you stumble over him, if you stumble over that truth, you'll be broken to pieces, that if you reject him, that you'll be crushed. That's what Jesus is saying to the original audience. And surely the application is exactly the same for us. In verse 18, when he says, everyone, he makes it universal. He says, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus is saying there's no in-between. That either you build your life on Jesus or you continue to live as you please according to your wishes for your own good. That either you build your life on Jesus, the cornerstone, and you may be here today saying, what does that even mean? I hear people say, give your life to Christ, build your life on Christ. What does that mean? Well, at a minimum, I think it means admitting that you are a tenant, that you don't own all the things that you have, that they're gifts from God, and that you realize that you have acted like you're the owner, that you've beat up the messengers God has sent, but that Jesus has taken your punishment for doing so. And that you will now endeavor to build your life on his wishes, that you will live according to his wishes, according to his glory. That's what it means. The opposite of continuing to live life as you please. For your own good. Jesus says those who do that are broken to pieces, that they're crushed. I'm sort of a good news guy. I like to preach good news. Where's the good news in that? He just stops, right? If if that's the way you live, you'll be crushed. Well, the good news is that not long after this, the beloved Son of God is killed. That he is crushed for your iniquity. That he was broken to pieces for your sin. That he was willing to do that. So that you could live life not just as a tenant, but as a child of the Most High God. I call you to build your life on him. To yield control of your life to him. Listen to me. You're not really giving up anything anyway. (laughs) Just your illusion of control. He has control already. Just trust him. Just have faith in him. Just acknowledge he knows better for you than you know for you. Some of us hesitate to do that. We just can't give control over. So let me make one one more appeal. Jesus was willing to die for you. He was willing to be crushed for you. How can it be dangerous to give control of your life to someone who loves you like that?
He's good. He wants what's best for you. He knows what's best for you. Trust him. Let's pray and ask God to help us do that. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you tell us that you give the gift of faith. I pray that you would give us the gift of trusting in you, that you would help us to yield to you. Oh, Father, help us to hear the messengers. Help us to hear how you're showing us that we're not the owners because we're not in control. Help us to yield control to you and to build our lives on you. Please come and help us to do that for our good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.